if you are uh, if you are able, if you have a Bible, uh, paper Bible kind, can you tell me if the if it's live? Um, anytime I do the YouVersion app, like if I put the stuff in it, it's live. Can I get a round of applause? Yeah. The last time I was the one who made the YouVersion event, it did not go live. And I had, it was on a Sunday morning, and like three people asked me, like, hey, do you know what's happening with the YouVersion? And I'm like, yeah, I made it. That's what's wrong with it. So I'm just glad that it's there. Uh, get, your, get your Bibles out or the YouVersion Bible app. Um, if, uh, if you're using a paper Bible, you can turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And if you're in your electronic Bible, you can obviously turn to uh, Second Chapter or Second Timothy chapter three as well. Um, so tonight we're going to be continuing uh, our teaching series titled "Planted." Um, we're walking through seven different spiritual disciplines necessary for a Christian's spiritual growth, and the foundational text. If you were here last week, this is this is review for you, but. Uh, the kind of the, the, the passage that is our foundation for this entire series is Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. And it, and it reads like this. It says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. But those who delight, whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. So the writer of this, this psalm believes that when a person, when, when their delight is in the law of the Lord and they, when they meditate, shh, hey guys, guys, let's keep our conversations. I love the energy. Let's just keep our, ener- our uh, let's focus our energy on, on paying attention. Um, so when the person meditates on it, they are like a tree, David says, the writer of this psalm. They are like a tree planted by streams of water. And, the, and David says that this tree will produce fruit and they will prosper. So let's go over this again. So David describes a person who's blessed because they do not. He says they do not walk in step with the wicked. They do not stand in the way of sinners or, or sit in the company of mockers. But then David also goes on to say that the blessed one is like a tree that plants itself next to a stream, and that stream provides nutrients, and which in turn produces growth. And um, this word blessed, uh, if you were here last week, this is review for you, but, but, but the term blessed can be a loaded word that can cause a lot of confusion. Um, in Psalm 1 and in, in most of Scripture, blessing has this idea and this theme of happiness or contentment. So in the context of Psalm 1, uh, a person being blessed, you could think of it this way. Blessed is the man who is happy, fulfilled, and content being planted and rooted with God. So this is what David is referencing in Psalm chapter 1. And kind of the The big idea for this entire series on these spiritual disciplines is this. The believer must plant themselves in consistent fellowship with God, and they will bear the fruit of the Spirit. The the fruit of the Spirit as referenced in Galatians chapter 5. And so the spiritual discipline that we are going to be teaching tonight is Bible study. And we're going to hopefully answer a couple of these questions. Why is the Bible worth studying, or is it worth studying 
and learning from. And as we will read um, in our text tonight, the word of God is what teaches, it's what calls out, corrects, and trains us to do good works and guides us in the life that Jesus calls us to live. And so with that, we have a truth that we can stand on. We have a truth that is a foundation for our life and for our soul, no matter what comes and goes. And within our our current cultural context, we have phrases that are like anthems to people. They are like anthems to people's lives. And not that these phrases that I'm about to share with you, not that these phrases are new, but they seem to be making their way more and more into everyday life. Um, These phrases are live your truth, live what you feel is the best, Um, or I can live my truth if it doesn't affect anyone else. And I want to ask the question, is there anything wrong with those statements? And if someone were to ask me the, a question, the question like that, here's how I might respond. Something that I find in, in, in many of these statements or statements that are adjacent or like these statements, I find um, a little bit of, of lacking clarity in these statements. And part of why I feel these statements lack clarity is because it feels as if culture changes, um, people change, and so goes what we view as truth. And if you look at history, we have adapted, we have evolved, and we have changed as people. And so has what we view as right and wrong as a culture. There have been constant truths throughout history, um, but that doesn't seem to outweigh the things that have changed and shifted. And I'm not a person who like studies history or anything like that, but if you look at history... Um, or, or I'm not a person who has studied people or history, but as I observe things in culture, it feels as if we are moving into a place that we desire no boundaries. It's like we desire a place where I can do what I want whenever I want, and if there is mutual agreement or I'm not hurting anyone else, I can do what I want to do. And like I said, this is nothing new. This is nothing new to the 21st century. This has been going on for thousands and thousands of years. And and history seems to mirror these sentiments. But I feel as if this becomes more and more mainstream with the rise of, here comes the old person talking about the internet, you know? The (laughs) The rise of the internet, social media, and even traditional media sources. This becomes more and more prevalent and mainstream. And here's a question that I want to ask. What if there was intention behind the creation of the world? What if there was intention behind how the order of the world was created? What if God had a plan from the beginning to interact with and to guide us and and guide us in a way that made us flourish as humans? What if God's word is the key component of our understanding of those plans for us to flourish and those things were put in place by God? What if there are things in this life that we may not understand, but, they're, but it's okay? 
Since we're a community of people who believe the Bible to be true and to be our foundation as Christians, we'll be looking at the Bible to try to answer some of these questions that we ask. So like I said, we're going to look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. Um, I want to give a brief context to the book of 2 Timothy as well as the context to chapter 3. Um, also, if you're using the YouVersion uh, notes on your phone, if you scroll down to the bottom, and under the resource, resources section, um, there is a Bible Project uh, overview video of 2 Timothy if you wanted to watch that. Um, so uh, the, the, the book of 2 Timothy was a letter written by the Apostle Paul, and he wrote it to this guy named Timothy. Paul is under uh, arrest in Rome. He writes this letter, Timothy, inviting him to come and see him in Rome. And uh, this letter was written towards the end of the Apostle Paul's life. And he doesn't think that he's going to uh, live much longer, and he's probably going to be killed as a result of this imprisonment. You can read that in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9. And in this letter, Paul mainly addresses the false teachings of the church that Timothy is leading in Ephesus, the Ephesian church. So who's Timothy? Uh, Timothy is a leader, like I said, of the church in Ephesus, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. He was a co-worker in the gospel with Paul, Acts 16. Um, as a young boy, he was taught the scriptures by his mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois. And in the letter's introduction, Paul reminds Timothy of his foundation in the scriptures. And for Timothy, the scriptures would have been the Old Testament. So context of 2 Timothy chapter 3. Um, the the kind of last half of chapter 2 and the first part of chapter 3, Paul teaches and warns Timothy about false teachers within his church community. And um, we aren't given much detail of what that false teaching is, but it's referenced in chapter 2, verse 18. But directly before our text tonight, in chapter 3, verses 1 through 9, Paul reminds Timothy that in the last days, there will be people on the earth who teach the truth, but the truth that they teach is not correct. And a vital notation is when the Bible uses the phrase last days, most of the time the writer means the last days after the resurrection of Jesus and before Jesus' second coming. Uh, they're not referencing like a specific date on the calendar. It just means all of the days after Jesus are the last days. So the people Paul was telling Timothy of were people who, were, who would be ungodly and self-centered in the last days. He gives this really long list in verses 1 through 5. He says they will be lovers of themselves. They will be lovers of money. They will be boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Listen up. <clears throat> Ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. So we are going to be picking up in chapter 3, verses 10 through 17, and Paul begins his, to give his final instructions and his final charge to Timothy as the pastor of the Ephesian church. Paul is warning Timothy of these false teachers, and he's telling him how to stand firm in the midst of uncertain times and how to stand firm and rooted on the truth of Scripture amid false teaching and hardship. 
Suppose you, you read all of this together in context, and in that case, it seems to say that Paul is saying that the cure or the remedy for overcoming this sinful and ungodly behavior is to know the scriptures and to know the person who is teaching the truth of the scriptures. So let's stand together. Jalen is going to come, and she is going to read 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 through 17 in the New International Version. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. What kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured? Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. You may. Oh, my gosh. You Shout out to you, Jalen. Oh, my gosh. Nice job, Kaylee. Did you tell her to do that? You what? Nice job. That's exactly what, anyways, let's move on. Um, that's exactly what I say every week, so awesome. Um, so as we begin to unpack this text, let's identify the two sections that we find within verses 10 through 17. So the first section um, is verses 10 through 13. And if you were to summarize those few verses, this is the summary that you could come up with. Follow faithful and godly servants who follow Jesus. And the second uh, section of 10 through 17 is verses 14 through 17. And it's believers must be faithful to the scriptures. So what we're going to do is we're going to walk through those two sections. We're going to explain it, illustrate it, and apply it. So the first one, follow faithful and godly servants who follow Christ Jesus. Um, as people, we are all influenced and shaped by the people and the things that we surround ourselves with. The place you live shapes the way that you see the world. It shapes the way um, that you, your experiences can significantly determine how you express yourself as an individual. And all of this can be for better or for worse. Things and people can shape us in positive or negative ways. Where we live can give us a broad or narrow scope of the world. Our parents can influence how we treat the people around us for better or for worse. And it doesn't take long of, uh, doesn't take a long thought process to recognize the people and the places and things that have significantly shaped your life. 
My dad has heavily influenced the things that I enjoy in my life and the hobbies that I love. My parents have, have influenced me to view money, possessions, and people in a certain way. Megan has influenced me to be intentional about how we parent our kids. And I could go on and on. But there's, a, there's another way that I've been influenced as an individual. Um, another big way that I've been influenced is the people in my life that have challenged me to grow as a Christian. My parents, again, Megan, again, but also books, podcasts, and sermons, just to name a few. These people and resources have influenced me and challenged me to dig deeper into the word of God and to ask the questions that need to be asked. They've challenged me to look at scripture and to find the answers to my questions. So Paul encourages Timothy to to continue to follow the example that he's given to him. In verse 10, Paul begins by telling Timothy to know his teachings. So he's telling them it's important to know what you are reading. It's important for you to know what you are listening to and if it's presenting truth. We need to be people who compare teachers' words to the word of God and determine if what's being taught lines up with the Bible. We need to be careful with the people that we watch online, TikTok Christian influencers or whoever else. If, if a person is claiming to teach the word of God, is claiming to teach the scriptures, and we need to compare what they're saying with what the word of God says. And, and we need to compare whether or not they're, they're actually teaching what the Bible says and we're not just teaching values that you don't have to be a Christian to have. Notice how Paul begins with his teaching as the most important thing to follow. It's Paul's sound doctrine that is to be followed first. He doesn't tell Timothy to model his way of life. It doesn't, he doesn't tell him to first model his purpose, his patience, his love, and endurance, and then leave it at that. Those things don't require a person to be saved to live them out. There are excellent, loving Caring and generous people who are atheists, Muslims, Mormons, Buddhists, etc. You don't have to love Jesus to do those things. You don't have to love Jesus to be a patient person, a loving purpose, or to live a life that has maybe purpose. But what Paul is saying is that his teachings is what sets Paul apart from others. This is the first and foremost important thing. And next he says to follow his way of life. He is to follow Paul's sound doctrine, but he is then to follow his way of life in purpose, patience, love, and endurance. And so for us, as we are navigating the internet and navigating books and podcasts and learning about the word of God, it's important to find teachers that faithfully teach the scriptures, but it's also important that these people live a life that bears the fruit of the spirit. Because you cannot have a good teacher or a good preacher and not bear fruit. Sound doctrine and the fruit of the Spirit must go hand in hand. So the questions might be, who are the people that you follow and try to emulate in your life? And here's a follow-up question. Are they worth following? Who are the people challenging you and pushing you to be more like Christ? Who are the people pulling you away from what you feel God truly wants you to do in your life? 
And this is why it's essential to follow along with a sermon, to take notes, and compare those notes and what that person is saying to the scripture. It's not easy to hear what's false if you don't know what's true. And I've used this uh, sermon illustration before, so bear with me if you've heard it. Um, When a bank teller uh, begins a job at a bank, Megan was a bank teller for a couple months when we lived in eastern Washington. But one of the the things that they do to train bank tellers um, is uh, to become familiar with real money to feel what real money feels like. Um, And it seems silly, but banks have found that if a teller can become so familiar with what's real, they can detect what's fake quickly. The same could be applied to our study of the Bible. When we immerse ourselves in the truth, we can detect what is not true because it doesn't line up with what we know to be true from consistent Keyword, consistent study of God's word. And I know that it can be overwhelming to begin studying the Bible, but we want to always give you tools and resources to help you get past the like initial bump of starting. Um, in the Version notes, um, we've linked a few different apps to help you understand what you are reading. So if you scroll all the way down to the bottom, we've, we've linked the Bible Project app in Apple and Android. Um, we also linked an Amazon link to the book, How Not to Read the Bible by Dan Kimball. Uh, the Bible Hub app, the Step Bible, the Enduring Word Commentary app, and the Got Questions app. And these are all meant to be tools as you read your Bible to understand what was the author intending. And if you spent any length of time with us at Bethel Youth, you've heard the word context a lot of times, right? Yeah, it probably is really annoying to you, isn't it? Because we say it so much. But the reason we say it is because it's important. Maybe you say, let's, or maybe you hear us say, let's talk about the context of 2 Timothy chapter 3. You're like, here he goes again. Oh my gosh, giving us historical background of all these different things. Like, no one cares. Here's the thing you need to care because the reason we are so passionate about conveying accurate context is when we do so, it helps us what the, it helps us understand what the author originally intended intended the passage to mean. In his book, How Not to Read the Bible, Dan Kimball says this, the Bible was written for us, but it was not written to us. This means that before we can understand what it says to us, we need to know what it says to them. This helps us keep our application to its original intention. And you can practically do this, one, by reading your Bible along with these these different commentary apps that we've given you. But another way that you can do that is, is by reading about 10 verses before what you're reading and 10 verses after what you're reading. And this helps um, keep the original train of thought together, and it also helps you um, understand what is being said. Um, And like I said, another helpful tool is to read with your paper Bible and also have a commentary open on a computer or your phone. Um, And I think it's helpful um, because you'll see what tradition has said about these passages and what tradition has believed to be true. And hopefully these are helpful resources for you um, to begin your journey of studying the Bible. 
So it's, it's extremely important to follow faithful and godly servants who follow Jesus. And so now we're going to look at the second section, verses 14 through 17, and see what Paul says about what the scriptures are to be used for. So let's read verses 14 through 17 again. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Here it is, verse 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So if you were to summarize this, you could summarize it this way. Believers must be faithful to the scriptures. Faithful to the scriptures. So Paul begins verse 14 with, but as for you. So if you remember to the context of of 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul is speaking about false uh, teachers and false doctrine that's being taught within the church in Ephesus. And he says to Timothy, but as for you, you need to focus on what you have learned and what you have been convinced of so you don't go off track and join the imposters and so that you can correct the false teaching. So what has Timothy been convinced of and who taught him? He was convinced of the Holy Scriptures um, and the reference to the infancy refers to his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice in 2 Timothy 1 verse 5. They are the ones that taught Timothy the scriptures that verse 14 and 15 made you wise to receive salvation through Jesus. What Timothy was taught was more than information. It was more than information. He was convinced of the things that he was taught. He had a conviction about what was taught. Some of us have deep convictions that get us excited and passionate. We have our favorite restaurants that we will defend to to anyone if they say they're not good. Intern Kaylee will speak with great conviction and passion about her love for Chick-fil-A and her deep, deep deep-seated hatred for Popeyes. Okay? So she lived in she lived in Georgia for 7 years and her husband born and raised in Georgia and she will stand by Chick-fil-A which the south is originally where it's from she will stand on it and she is she will say that Popeyes is trash Yeah she will say that it's trash she will say a fair comparison of Chick-fil-A is Zaxby's is Zaxby's. So you got to go to other parts of the world or country to experience those things. But this is a deep-seated conviction of hers that she will stand behind Chick-fil-A. Some of us have deep convictions. (laughs) Way to go. Some have a deep conviction not to buy certain brands because of what those brands represent or who they support or where their fabric comes from, how the supply chain is ran and how the people are treated that make those clothes. Others will only buy from certain brands because of the products that they produce. Some will not do certain things within a relationship because of their convictions of boundaries. 
I have my convictions that I get passionate about. Some are ridiculous um, and don't have any weight on eternity, um, which are probably most of them. I'm an extremely opinionated person, and I will share with you my opinions if you ask me my opinions. I'm trying to get better about not sharing my opinions if you don't ask me. Unwarranted. Uh, One of the examples that really just grinds my gears and gets me real excited, and it doesn't matter, but it does, is um, it's not a cement driveway. It's concrete. It's a concrete driveway. Cement is an ingredient in concrete. You don't pour cement. You pour concrete. Okay? Asphalt's completely different. Okay. Just so you know, cement is powder. It's called Portland cement. It is powder. You mix it with some other stuff and water, and it turns into concrete. Okay? Yeah. So your driveway or whatever, that is concrete. That is not a cement sidewalk, okay? Just so you know. Huh? Yeah, okay? This is one that does not matter, but I get really passionate about. I'm sure Megan could tell you a lot of pointless, pointless things that I get really amped up about. Um, but one example that I, like conviction that I have that I get really passionate about that does have some eternal weight is that people matter and they need to be treated and talked to in such a way that communicates that they are a person who is created in the image of God. And even if they think differently than me, even if they believe differently than me, they are still human beings and deserve my respect. So those are two for me. But no matter what, we all have convictions. We all have, all, we all have things that we have been convinced of in our life. Paul and Timothy had a conviction about what the scriptures were meant for. Paul speaks about how we have received the Holy Scriptures. He says all scripture is God-breathed. Paul is reminding Timothy that all Scripture is God-breathed, with me, which means that the Holy Spirit of God inspired all Scripture. The writers of what we have in our hands today, through the Holy Spirit, human authors were inspired to write what God wanted to say to the people. And this is God revealing his character and his direction for our lives. And 2 Peter chapter 2 speaks to this truth. It says, For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets through human spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. I'm almost done. So what is this God-breathed word and scripture useful for? Verse 16, it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So why is this useful? Why, are, why is this list of things useful to us? Verse 17, so that the servant of God may what? May be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So why is teaching important? So that the servant of God, oh, the Bible teaches us what is true about God, what's true about ourselves, the world we live in, and the world to come. Rebuking and correcting, this could be seen as conviction. The Bible shows us the truth and brings conviction for our sinful behavior and beliefs. It's useful for training and in righteousness. The Bible shows us how to live an upright life 
with God. And in turn, these things will equip you for every good work. The Bible is what helps equip you to fulfill the mission that God has placed on our lives as believers as laid out in Matthew 28. I want to leave you with a quote and the big idea. David Guzik says this. He says, Paul began the chapter warning Timothy about dangerous times. Some Christians are swept away by these perilous times and some others go into hiding. Neither option is right for us. We are to stand strong and stay on the word of God. What is constant, what is consistent, and what is our firm foundation? I want to leave you with our big idea. Believers must be faithful to the scriptures and follow people who do the same. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about this a little bit more in our small groups. And so we're going to jump into those right now. Um, guys are in the back of the room. Girls are in the front of the room. Uh, high school is on this side. Middle school is on this side. And your small group leader will dismiss you when you are done. <laughs>